You're listening to Bold Voices, Soft Hearts, a podcast featuring stories of people who found their passion through pain. We're so glad you're here with us. Be sure to follow us on social media and send this episode to a friend who might need some encouragement. And now our latest episode. Welcome back. This podcast is such a joy for me to have the opportunity to explore the circumstances in life that coulda, woulda, shoulda destroyed us, but instead have channeled and amped up our ability to spread beauty, love, and truth. If you're new to this podcast, you hopped on for a great episode. If you've ever had a dream or vision for your life, this is for you. If you have felt that dream might never come to fruition, this is also for you. And if your dreams have changed shape, this is for you. So welcome. Today I'm joined by Allison Hernandez. Usually I would start off by sharing a bit about my guest, but I think it would be really impactful for you, dear listener, to hear straight from her about the journey she has been on. I've had the privilege of serving on worship team with Allison at our church, and we are currently prepping and rehearsing for our big Christmas spectacular show. <laughs> As we sit in the green room ready to sing, I've had the joy of listening to pieces of her story. So Allison, let's dive right in. Welcome to Bold Voices Soft Hearts. Hey, Misty. Thank you for <laughs> having me. Yes. Thank you for making time. Yeah, you're busy mama, busy, all the things going on. And I so appreciate you being here. So thank you. Yeah. Fun, so, fun, fun. Yes. So let's, um, let's dive right in. Will you tell us, um, about your, your background? Start at, start at the very beginning. Yes. A very good place to start. Yes. Um, <clears throat> that's so cute. So ironically, that used to be a thing that my family growing up would do at holidays. So, um, I come from a huge Irish Catholic family on my mom's side. My dad's Italian. My mom has 13 brothers and sisters. So I have one sister, but I grew up with like, I don't know, 30 first cousins. So it was like I had all of these other brothers and sisters and my cousins growing up, we were all, you know, a year or two apart. Um, so we really were this very tight knit, very fun, loud family and music was always at the center of it. So on um, specifically Thanksgiving and Christmas, we would, we would perform and we, you know, we would sing Christmas carols and all my aunts would be singing all the different harmonies um, to the classic Christmas carols. And then Thanksgiving, we would do show tunes. And so me, my sister, and a couple of my cousins would literally act out so long farewell from the sound of music. And we would do like the whole thing from like carrying the little one at the end and, Amazing. and would watch it. Cause the sound of music was always on, on Christmas. It was always like on network TV at like 8 PM on Christmas. Um, and so we would watch it and then we would perform it. So yeah, I mean, I grew up always being surrounded by music um, in my extended family. My dad was a singer. He went to Seton Hall on a voice scholarship. My mom always sang and played the guitar and they were total hippies. Um, so so that was cool being raised by hippies. <laughs> um, and they really encouraged my dreams. I mean, I was singing from probably the time I came out of the womb 
Um, you know, and, and really my first introduction to music was in church. Uh, and so I loved being at church because it meant I could sing. So I was in the kids choir, you know, from when I was like maybe seven. And that's definitely how I learned to read music and learned how to sing harmonies. Um, I had a very strict, strict, um, choir teacher that, uh, inspired a lot (laughs) in my book. Um, but she, from a very young age, I was being told, to blend in. So I was this little petite thing with this huge voice and nobody really knew what to do with me. Uh, And so she would tell me to blend. And I just remember that moment being told to blend in. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to blend. Like, you know, anywhere you sat in church, you could hear my voice. It didn't matter where, like, even if I was singing quietly, you could still hear it. Um, so I, I grew up that way. And so, of course, I fell into theater and loved musical theater and, you know, had dreams of being on Broadway one day um, or being a mu- movie star. You know, I had like an alter ego as a child, Amelia, and I put on my sunglasses and be like, call me Amelia, the movie star. Um, <laughs> and we played dress up a lot as kids, too. Like we had we literally called it the dress up box, which was basically filled with costumes of like my mom's old clothes and prom dresses from the sixties. But yeah, so theater was, you know, theater and music was a huge, huge part of my life. And then I ended up, you know, wanting to major in that. And I remember my mom saying, Allison, there's not a place you can go that says, I want to be on Broadway one day. Like that's not a major. And I'm like, please. Yes, it is. (laughs) And then handed her, you know, 20 schools that had musical theater majors. Um, so I went through that whole process. I ended up going to Syracuse University and majored in musical theater. Um, time of my life. Um, if I could have a time machine, I would for sure go back to 1996 and do those uh, years all over again. Um, to have the opportunity to do what you love every single day. Mm-hmm. People that become your family, you know, at, at those very, um, in those formative years of like, teen to adult to figuring out who you are. Um, so I had a blast. Um, and you know, if I could tell my kids anything about relationships, like what I know now is like those relationships that I built at Syracuse are like my parents, you know, what they paid for college, like pay it back in full over and over and over again, because those relationships are worth more than any, any tuition. Um, and they're still fueling me and helping me and connecting me. And we're still making music together, you know, 20 plus years later, which is amazing. Um, so that was my school years. And then I moved to New York, you know, to try to do it um, and pound the pavement. And I refused to be a waitress. So I got a day job. Uh, I had waitressed a lot and I hated it and I wasn't really good at it. It's <laughs> uh, like, what? You want me to do math in my head? No. Um, hours and being up till like midnight and then having to go on auditions. It just didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I ended up working in human resources and HR purely by accident, you know, recent grad with a degree with good communication skills. Um, and then I ended up having this whole, like, you know, dual career. So while I was going on auditions and making demos and doing all the things you do in your twenties as a musical theater artist, I had a day job and I was a recruiter and I was interviewing people. And then I moved into 
learning and development where I got more into training and development, which I loved because it was much more like acting. Um, and so that was kind of running in parallel to chasing my dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got really close, you know, I, I got my equity card eventually, and I booked a national tour. I performed at the Apollo theater and, um, our director was George Faison who won a Tony for the whiz on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an amazing experience. And that happened because of my my choir director at church, honestly, was the music director. And he was like, come, they need um, gospel singers. Mm. Okay, um, okay, I do that, you know? And so it was a story about Dorothy Haidt, um, who was a black civil rights activist. She was very close with Eleanor Roosevelt and MLK. Uh, and so it was her life, but it was a gospel musical and they needed some white people to tell the struggle of the civil rights uh, mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, enter Allison, (laughs) Um, (laughs) big voice who, you know, could look like a Southern belle. Um, So that was amazing. And like living it and touring. Um, I got married literally the day before I went on tour, two days before, like got married, put the honeymoon on hold, went on tour two days later. Um, Yeah. So life is just was like crazy like that. Like all the things were happening. Um, and then the show ran out of money and then we were sent back home and I went back to my day job in HR, um, and pounded the pavement, you know, for, for a few more years. Um, and, and the doors just weren't opening. Like I did some commercials and cabarets and stuff like that, but the musical doors were not opening. Um, I would get close and then, you know, my mom and I would joke it's between me and the girl who's going to get the job. Um, (laughs) which any actor will appreciate that statement. Um, But yeah, so I had an acting teacher say to me, I was probably like 27, 28, um, you know, you look 25, you sound 40, and I just don't think this is your time. It's like, okay, what does that mean? You know, and he's like, I just really think that your your sound and your look and your type are working against you right now. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be a leading lady in your 40s. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do for the next 15 years? Hmm. And I was like, uh, I guess I'm going to have some kids. <laughs> Check that box <laughs> off. Like, OK, I mean, not my plan, not the order that I wanted it in. I, you know, I think a lot of actors have these ridiculous dreams and timelines for our life. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be on Broadway by the time I'm 30. Mm -hmm. And then at like 35, I'm going to start having kids. Mm. And that was it. It was like, I wanted both of those things. I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be on Broadway equally as much. Um, And so I pivoted and I really like put that dream on the shelf um, my husband and I moved to the burbs and, uh, and we had our first son. So before you move on yeah. to the next chapter, I want to ask you in those transitions, when, when you heard that yeah. and before you moved and had your first son, did it feel like you, you use the word pivot, which again is perfect on multiple levels, but did it feel what did it feel like to do that? Did you feel defeat or did you feel 
okay, I'm just rolling with the punches as, as so many actors and performers and creative people know how to do well, what did it feel like in those moments of this is not how I envisioned it? No, no. I felt like a complete and utter failure. I felt like a complete failure. Um, I am an incredibly driven goal oriented person. So when I say that I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and get out of the way until I do it. Um, and, and that was the energy, what I was putting towards, you know, making it on Broadway. So, so the fact to just stop and to say, no, I'm not going to keep trying. Um, it felt horrible. It felt like I was giving up on my dreams and yet the pounding my head against the wall of the doors, not opening felt just as horrible Mm -hmm. and just as frustrating. Mm -hmm. And so when I eventually emotionally and intellectually could wrap my head around, okay, well, but I do want to be a mom and I'm, you know, I'm getting close to 30 and maybe I should just do this. I like, I, I want this. I've always wanted this. I just didn't want it now. Mm. But yeah, once I accepted that, it was like, okay, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all, I'm all on team baby. so talk about team baby what what were those years and uh, I mean talk about the transition from because it is such a contrast of anyone who you know goes from career or auditioning to oh my gosh I'm now going to be a mom and maybe try and do both those things and talk about what that transition was like for you yeah I think the um the being home on maternity leave was probably like the biggest shock to my system um, because I'm such an extrovert and because I worked, you know, my whole life I was like, wait a minute. So I just get to like sit here and stare at my son every day. <laughs> like this is, this is it. And like, he can't talk to me and like, all he does is cry and throw up on me <laughs> and he's constantly hungry. Um, my nipples are bleeding, exhausted, you know, I, I was really lonely. Like I was really lonely. I was lucky to have met a mom, another like corporate working mom who had a baby like two weeks before me in my town. And she was like a godsend because we went on walks every day. You know, we would go to the mall. We would find all the best places in town where you could breastfeed like inconspicuously. We knew, we knew like with certain bathrooms in the Short Hills Mall, like we, we like figured it out, you know, like exclusive clubs, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so it was, it was, that was a really hard transition. I was so thankful for this friend that I, that I made because it was the first time I wasn't working and my whole purpose in life was just to have this beautiful Ollie, you know, grow <laughs> and thrive. Um, but yeah, it was hard and it was amazing, you know, that I didn't have to go to work every day, that I could just be with him. And then the struggle of like having to go back to work and like not affording to be able to stay home was devastating and, you know, cry, cried my eyes out. Oh my God, that like first week back to work um, where you feel like you're just the worst human being in the world because you're giving your child to someone else who's not you. Mm-hmm. Um And now I look back and I'm like, well, thank God I did, you know, Mm -hmm. because I've been able to provide for my family and build skills and experiences that I never would have had if I stayed home all those baby years. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
so, so very grateful. And, you know, and then that transition to two, then I had my second son, Charlie, about two and a half years later. Um, that's when like the whole bottom just falls out. You're like, what? Like there's two of you. I have two hands. I need 17 hands in order to manage this. Um, and sister wives, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, I just remember so vividly. And my husband was still working in the city at the time when they were young. And I was like taking chicken fingers out of the stove and like nursing Charlie with like one hand and the two of them are crying. And Ollie says, mom, there's two boo-boos and there's only one mama. (laughs) Yes, Ollie, exactly. There's two boo-boos and there's only one mama. So go watch Thomas and stop crying. (laughs) yeah those years those yeah and the witching hour but now they're teenagers they're teenagers and they're like a whole different beast you know like things that um the things that you never think will happen where like your kids are gone for like an entire day because they're out having a social life you know um they don't need you as much and they don't want to need you as much <laughs> and you're like wait what oh okay so it's just me and dad for like hours okay cool you know so it's hard for me really, to picture that but I'm, 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 I'm soaking in the I know <laughs> I, even even just them sleeping to eight eight o'clock in the morning it was like I never thought that day would come never Never know. Had to go like wake them up. Are they breathing? Like what? <laughs> but it it happens, and all of a sudden you blink, and you've got these young men in front of you, and you're like, "Wow, okay, wow." I I I made that happen, you know. And they're turning out okay. Oh my gosh! Not on wood. Yes. So as you are working full time, you've got two boys. What is going on in your mind in terms of your creative juices? Like, obviously I know you and I, even though I didn't know you in these years, I know you were singing still. It's not like you like shelved your voice, which there have been times in my life, a few times where I'm like, I haven't sung in a few days. I need to change that. But, (laughs) but I mean, I sing to my kids, but, but I know that you had opportunities to share your gifts, but what was it like creatively during yeah. those trenches years of working and mommying. Yeah. Um, I shoved it so far down. It Did was you? like, it was my only outlet was church, you know? And so I was blessed to, you know, have an amazing, you know, worship leader all during those baby years where I served at least once a month. And, um, you know, and we had a great relationship and he really appreciated, you know, my, my talent and, allowed me to serve as much as I wanted. Um, but that was truly my only outlet. Um, and, and I, I couldn't even process like handling more than that. Um, but some of the like really, you know, dark moments is when I would go see a Broadway show. I would go always every year on my birthday and every year during Christmas. So it was like standard baby years. I would see at least two Broadway shows a year, musicals, new musicals. Um, and I remember going to see, you know, a lot of my really good friends from, from college who were on their second Broadway show, their third Broadway show. And I'm like, oh, my second baby, they're yeah. on their second Broadway show. Um, and I would go and I would support them and I would be so proud of them. And I would cry the entire time, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the entire show. 
I'd be crying. And I remember my husband saying after one of them, like, we're not going back. Like, <laughs> we're not going to see another show because I'm not going to just sit there and watch you cry the whole time. Like, we spent <laughs> a lot of money to see this show and all you do is cry. I mean, he know, knows me and I cry, you know, from a Hallmark commercial. Right. <laughs> but it was like not healthy crying, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was just so, I was so bitter and I was so jealous. Like I couldn't even see straight, but it was like more than jealousy. It was just so painful yes. to watch men, specifically men living my dream. I'm like, that. that's it. They're doing the thing that I set out to do, but I couldn't do it because I wanted to have these kids and I couldn't have these kids 15 years in the future. I mean, I could now I'm sure, but I didn't want to be right. Um, so, so it was really, really painful and dark and I would have to just shove it, like shove it, shove it, shove it. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I couldn't imagine a world, you know, I, I've always been guilty of having like black and white thinking, um, of like, I'm a, a thousand percent or I'm nothing. Like I don't really do half-ass anything. Mm -hmm. So the idea that like, was there a world where I could be creative again, where I could be performing again, where I could be in theater again and have these kids and be there as a mom and provide for my family? I just, I couldn't even picture it. Mm. So, so I didn't, you know, I didn't even allow myself to picture it. It was like, yeah, well, that's, that's not the life that I'm going to have. Um, and so then I 40 and then I had like, you know, the quintessential midlife crisis as many of us do mm. um and and that pain really turned into kind of like this creative explosion <laughs> for lack of a better phrase like that's really what happened and I was kind of you know I was questioning all of those thoughts of like is this it is this what my life's supposed to be am I supposed to be this like successful corporate woman that I never wanted to be and yet I have this talent that I've put on a shelf for 12 years. Like this just doesn't seem right. Mm. Um, and my grandmother had just passed away. The one with the 13 kids. Yes. Um, and I was kind of questioning, like, did she ask these same questions of herself? Like when she turned 40, I mean, goodness, when she was 40, she was still having like her 12th and 13th kid. <laughs> right. Um, but like, did she, what were her dreams before she was this mother, this matriarch of this enormous family. Like, what did she want out of her life when she was 20 something? And what happened when she was 40? You know, and so I just had all of those questions kind of swirling. And I said, you know, one, if Lin-Manuel can write a musical starring him, then maybe I should do the same thing. Hmm? Hubris. I don't know. One day I will meet him and I will tell him the story. But I just really thought like, well, if I'm going to like come back to theater, nobody's going to cast me. I'm like a 40 year old mom, like <laughs> hasn't been in the business for 12 years. You know, I have like one credit, two credits, maybe, you know. And and so I just started thinking, well, if I did come back and I wrote something that I could star in, mm. like it should be about my grandmother and it should be about being a mother and her dreams and that conflict. Mm. And, and then it just started. And then it just started pouring out of me, these songs, these stories, these plot lines. I saw these black and white pictures of my grandmother in the forties and this beautiful 
Italian man behind her and my grandfather and this gorgeous looking Kennedy. And I'm like, who are these people? And it was a love triangle and it was her brother and found out her brother died when she was 20 on the football field. Spoiler, spoiler alert, if anyone reads my book. Um, but so all these stories and characters just started coming to life to me. Mm. Um, and I just, I just started, I just sat down at the piano and I started writing scenes and songs and it just literally would just pour out. I couldn't stop it. It was like a faucet that I had turned on and I could not turn it off. And it's been five years of like, not from that moment that I wrote a musical, I wrote 30 plus songs. I then turned it into a novel. Then I, then I made an audio book then I made a concept album and now I'm back to the musical and then just produced and performed in a, an industry reading about a month ago. Um, <laughs> And, and raised $70,000 in order to do that and produce it. So whew, it's been an incredible five years. So um, I think I've definitely made up for those 12 mm. where, where I had shoved so much so far down. It's all I, coming out. I just got chills, Allison, <laughs> because when you described how you pushed it down. I think sometimes it's conscious, but a lot of times it's not, it's like survival, right? Yeah. You're here, you are. And, and I think any mom who maybe even isn't, isn't in the performing industry, but has, you know, other dreams and aspirations in addition to their children. I want to make that clear yeah. that, that the two things can coexist. You can desperately, I knew from the moment I was born, I wanted to be a mom. I also knew from the moment I was born, I wanted to perform. Yeah. And those two things are, are both beautiful, but, yeah. but to be sitting there, as you described, like breastfeeding and in the trenches with your littles and and you, it's almost like your brain, like you said, just can't fathom. Oh. How would I do both? How would I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna survive here. And so what did that feel like? As you said, it just like poured out of you with the faucet turned on. Did it feel exhilarating? Did it feel overwhelming? Did it feel like you had lost a part of you that you're now reconnecting? Like what process that? It was thrilling. It's still thrilling, you yeah. know, and I think the discovery of writing, you know, and I had written music before. So like in my twenties, I, you know, thought I wanted to be a pop star, auditioned for American Idol, met Simon oh, yeah. Cowell, you know, oh, yeah. all, oh, the, man. all the things. And so I'd written pop music, but I'd never written musical theater, even though, you know, you and I joke, like we speak fluent musical theater, it's like <laughs> the second language that I'm fluent in. Yes. And so the idea that like, oh, there's a moment before there's a character that wants something. There's a very specific emotional moment that's happening. Um, it's like, you couldn't ask for a more perfect set of like structure to write mm. within. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. And so the composing part was just, okay, here I go. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a singer, so I'm, I, I'm very melodic. I know what is a melody that's going to, um, you know, get stuck in your head, but not that I'm writing it to get it stuck in your head. It's just stuck in my head and it needed to come out. Yes. You know? Um, but, but the actual writing, writing process, like writing the book and writing, the libretto, I think is where I had some of the most fun and, mm. and like exploring, 
you know, this part of me that could go, I would be here in my office, you know, just going so deep, like anyone who's an actor writer, you basically put yourself in your character's shoes. So it's like the most amazing acting experiment because mm. you are asking yourself, well, what would, what would Audrey, my protagonist, what would she feel in this moment? What, like, what, what would be happening to her? What would, what would be, she be thinking about and feeling and, you know, what did the room smell like? And mm. what did the air smell like? And what, what kind of shoes was she wearing? Um, and then you would just, I would surprise myself. I would surprise myself of how fun it was to put myself literally in this world. It's like world creating. And I would be in it, in my office, you know, acting out all the parts, you know, but but typing them, acting them and typing them and getting them out of my imagination and onto the page. And that, um, wow, I mean, I could lose days, days. You know, you'd have to pull me away from my laptop because um, you get lost in it, in a good way, you know, mm. when you flow. Have you, um, during those years or beforehand or afterwards, did you ever read The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron? Oh, I think I did in college. Yeah. 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 In that book she talks about, and I, I would recommend it to anyone who's listening, in addition to Ballad of Dreams by Allison, <laughs> that you um, that you read this book because she talks about how we all have, I think so many people say, oh, I'm not creative. You know, I they look at someone like you and say, well, I'm not creative in comparison to Allison, but right. we all have something that's, that's, um, that gives us joy, whether it's like, I've talked to people like doodling or journaling or, or I used to play the okay. cello, but I haven't played in 20 years. So I can't ever pick it up again. Right. Yeah. But, but, but how much joy it brings to do that thing, that creative thing that fuels you. And it might be not that you're creating a whole new show and writing a book the way Allison has, but, but, but taking something and saying, this brings me joy. And we only live this one life. Like I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. And what inspires me so much about you, Allison, is that that's what you've done. That's what you, you, you said, I have a story to tell and I'm, I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to do it on my terms and I'm going to do it in my time mm -hmm. and I'm going to make it happen. And it doesn't mean that it's been easy, no. right? Quite the contrary. Correct. <laughs> but you're saying that's okay. Like it can be a lot, this can be a big chapter of my life. And that's what I see for this. I see this as like, this is, I feel like this is just the beginning for you. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. And it's, it's unlocked, you know, all these other possibilities and, and even just creative thinking that, oh, well, you know, five years ago, I would have said, I'm not a writer. Well, now I'd say, yeah, I am a writer. I'm a published author and I'm a yeah. composer and I'm a producer and I'm a performer and I own that now. Mm. And just because I have this one idea doesn't mean I'm going to have more. Like I already want to start, you know, writing something else and I want to get into TV and like pivot and pivot again and, and embrace the fact that one piece of art doesn't have to be just one thing. Like it can be a million things because just like us, like we are not just one thing. That's right. We are multifaceted, multi-passionate humans and our art can be the same. That's and right. so once I kind of accepted that and like my, my 
very black and white thinking was like, oh, wow, look at all the colors of the rainbow. <laughs> look at all the possibilities, you yeah. know? Um, it just, it unleashes something that's really exciting. Do you think there was ever, can you describe any sort of dark moments in this process where maybe you thought of maybe not giving up, but you were having doubts about, am I capable of this and, and, and being out of the game? Like what sort of mind tricks were played? Oh yeah. Oh, tons. Um, I actually remember, I don't remember what year it was. It might've been maybe three ish years ago. It was before COVID. And, you know, I had a, a theater creative, like artistic director, read my script and basically emailed me and said, I don't think this is a musical. I think this is a book. And, uh, you know, it's, you have so much content. It would be a lovely, you know, dedication to your grandmother and have you thought about turning it into a book? And instead of me being like excited by that feedback, I was devastated. I was so devastated. It was like, what do you mean it's not a musical? I wrote 30 songs. It's a musical, you know? <laughs> how how do you do music in a book? Um, and so I, for probably the only time since I started this process, I, I really stopped. And I took probably a three or four month break from working on it at all because I was just so lost and I was so hurt and I my confidence was just shot mm. and I, I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, what it it's a musical. It has to be a musical. That's why I wrote it. Yeah. Oh, and then I got that feedback two more times. I was like, okay. If you hear something three times, that's a pattern. And I believe that you need to listen to it, you know, and feedback is really hard. But when you hear the same feedback that many times, that's when you have to put your ego to the side and listen. And I did. Um, it, on a on a previous episode, uh, I talked with another guest about perfectionism and how, you know, I think for a lot of driven people, we see it one way and this is how we want to do it. And we're going to do it now and we're going to do it on our time. And some of that is great. That's what, that's what gets us to the places that we're going, but it also can keep us stuck like if you had stayed there and just been like, well, the right. thing that I was working on, nobody saw it that way. And so I guess it's time to throw in the towel. You, you took a second, but yeah. it's, you took it and you fueled it and you kept going and you, you pivoted and you readjusted and realigned. And I think that that is so key that, that we can't, I mean, who, who's ever lived a life that every single thing like has a gone straight through. line, right? No, that no one lives a, a life in a straight line. No. Yeah. No. But the beauty of that, that how much richer the journey is because you can talk about, I remember Allison, I remember you sharing that story probably three years ago when I yeah. first met you, I yeah. remember that and it can feel like defeat, hmm. but it's actually launching you into something so much bigger and to now have this book that you can hand to people and then yeah. people go, Oh, wow. I could see this in show form. Like that's yeah. amazing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what's, what's going on now? Like what's, what's all the wheels turning now? Oh, it's hard. I, you know, I say this with, with pride and with humility, but when you have such a huge goal, for the year, because, you know, I had this huge goal. It was like, raise this amount of money and produce this reading. 
and, you know, build the the creative team to make it happen. And I did that in October and I've got two months left of the year. So I'm like, now what? <laughs> like when you, when you achieve your big, hairy, audacious goal in October, like, wow, I'm getting faster, you know? Go make um, world peace, Allison. Yes, that would be great. You're getting lazy. Right. <laughs> I could cure cancer. That would be great. But I have no scientific uh, creativity <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, what's next is the hard part because I don't have control over it. You know, mm-hmm. so we invited a bunch of people in the industry to the reading. You know, I'm in follow-up mode. I'm following up with regional theaters that, that came um and and i'm also trying to be really open to what's next and i'm actually getting feedback that the show would work really well on tv so i'm i'm trying to not you know reject that and be like no what the path is we go to a regional theater next and then we go to broadway mm. okay i've gotten this feedback from the first draft that i wrote that it's very cinematic so mm. I'm, I'm putting it out there and I'm, I'm using my connections again, bringing it back to Syracuse, all, all roads lead back to those relationships when I was 18. Mm. And I'm amazed at how God just opens doors and opens doors that I didn't think were going to open or that I didn't want to open right now. Um, so that's, what's happening. You know, I'm, I'm in follow-up mode and I'm really trying to just be open as this whole process has happened that, um, you know, my plan is not always the best plan mm. and pivots have, have led to amazing moments and things that I would have never imagined. Mm. So, hey, maybe it becomes a TV show first and then it goes to Broadway and I've got the audience and I get the funding and I have the producer. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to be open. Um, but still take action towards, you know, towards the thing. Cause yeah. I don't know how to sit still. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Speak <laughs> right. of my language. I, I do want to hear from you as we sort of wrap up here. And I'm so grateful that you've shared all this, but what would you say to a person who might be listening, who just feels like, Because sometimes you can hear stories like yours and just be like, well, I could never, she's amazing. I get this a lot. Like, oh, what you do with Jed, like I could never, I'm like, do you, you, do you think that, uh, that we, uh, we set on this path to, to, uh, you know, be some grandiose, no, like we're in the trenches. All of us are in the day-to-day trenches. And so what would you say to maybe the woman who is sitting with her baby who does have dreams and feels like they will just kind of never, you know, what would you say to that person who just feels discouraged and like they've lost something? Yeah. I would say that the most important thing in those moments, you know, is to still fill your cup. And, you know, I think so many women and parents, you know, just stop filling up their own cups Mm -hmm. because they are so busy taking care of everybody else that they stop taking care of themselves. And that can mean lots of things, whether that's your health, whether that's, you know, your joy, your passion, your creativity. Um, But, you know, I just think that that's the thing that I recognize that, um, 
you need that outlet. And even if that outlet is, you know, taking a cooking class once a week, or that outlet is having brunch with your girlfriends, you know, on Friday mornings when your kids are at daycare, you know, whatever it is, make that time for yourself. Um, and your sanity and your emotional well-being is is so important. And you're going to be a better caretaker because of it, because you're not neglecting, you're not starving the part of you that needs feeding. So mm. for sure would be the one thing I would leave people with is keep filling your cup, keep feeding the parts of you that need feeding, even if it's 10 minutes a day, you know, whatever that is, listening to your favorite podcast, you know, or taking a walk and, and calling a friend or picking up a tennis racket. I don't, whatever. It's not sports for me, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is for other people, you know. <laughs> no, it's, it's so true. And the thing that I remind myself and others is that this is not the end of the story. Unless no. you're sitting on your deathbed and you've been told, you know, this is it. You've got five minutes, which I don't think anybody really has the luxury of that. Maybe a few, but we don't know when the end, and this is not the end of the story. And I think, you know, I think back on times in your life where you're like, oh, well, this is it. I, uh, I, I guess this is the end of my dreams. And here yeah. you are so many years later, you know, really reinventing your dreams and mm -hmm. recreating your dreams. And trudging literally carving out a new path and i think that you know it's important to remember this is not the end of the story and it's surely not the end of your story i'm so excited to see what lies ahead i'm grateful to be your friend i respect and admire you as an artist as a woman as a mother um i'm just so grateful that we've met and i'm so grateful you've taken the time to to share truly Thank you. Yeah. You're so kind. <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel the same way. But yeah, I mean, thank you. Thank you for, for asking. And I hope that, you know, someone is inspired by, by the idea that it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late. Thank you all for, for joining. And if this inspired you, definitely share with a friend. We'll see you next time. Be sure to follow Misty on Instagram. Connect and say hello. We look forward to hearing from you. Bold voices, soft hearts.